all, welcome to church here at Southwoods this morning. We're really happy that you're here. If you're here on live stream, that's awesome. We're just glad that you're tuning in to worship the Lord with us this morning. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We don't have many announcements, just a few things in the bags if you want to check that out. We're just going to continue to worship the Lord this morning, so sing this out with us.
And we're so glad you're here. Go ahead and greet somebody this morning. stop go ahead and keep chatting but we're going to do two songs for you guys here next and just continuing to worship our lord and um as a therapist i meet a lot of people right and after covid it's been really lonely i'm sure a lot of people can can relate to that that it's been really lonely hard to meet people and as part of some of the things i suggest i'm always like hey like church it's a really great community for most people you know different ones for different people but i try to suggest that and um I had a client say to me this week, he was like, Kate, like, I grew up Christian. He was like, I know what that is. You know, it's just God on top of you, like, checking everything that you do wrong so that sometime in the future he can give you a consequence. And I was like, oh, gosh, like, that's not how I feel about God at all. Like, I don't feel like he's this angry man or this person with a microscope, like, watching all of us to say, like, what did you do wrong? Like, that's not his character. That's not his personality. He wants us with him. And I think sometimes as Christians or as, you know, just historical religiousness, we've messed that up along the way. And I really like this next song because it talks about how we don't need like the, those harsh pieces of religion or spirituality that really like hurt people. What God wants is a relationship with us. It's why he sent Jesus. We have all these other rules sometimes and they're, they're good at the heart of them if you know the heart. But sometimes I think people get lost in it and we get too far onto that side of judgment when there's no grace. So I just want you guys, over, these next two songs are really about just surrendering yourself to God and to Jesus and that he wants that relationship with you. He wants you to not feel like, you know, he's angry or that he's watching under this microscope. He wants you to let go of that stuff and just be with him. God gives us the Holy Spirit because he wants us to be able to commune with him, to be with him like a father. And he's such a good father. So let's sing these songs together. I just encourage you, open your heart, open your hands, lift your hands, however you need to worship in this moment. I encourage you to do that. Meet God in this place and don't feel like you have to follow whatever rules you think are here just part of the worship. So just worship freely. Worship him because he loves you.
looking down at us and looking for stuff, looking for all the bad things. God, thank you that you loved us enough to send your own son. God, to literally wash that away with his blood. Father, be present with us today, God. Let us feel your spirit with us. God, let us know what you want. Father, we want to be with you. We want to connect to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. abrupt change. <clears throat> good morning. It's good to see you today. I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, just before I even start, I just want to say I do not have COVID. Okay. Just, I've got a, I've got a, a cold. Uh, I was, uh, Bob Priest spoke last weekend. Thank you, Bob, for speaking. And I appreciate that. I was going to be here last Sunday morning, but I came down with this. Uh, the day before, and so I just thought, you know, I don't have to be here. I didn't feel great, so I thought I was tested. I was COVID-free, but I thought, I, so anyway, it's the first Sunday. I've slept through church in a long time, and uh, so I don't recommend it as a habit, but yeah, it, as you can see a week later, I'm still not entirely well, so it's just the world we live in, right? And, uh, but I wanted you, to, wanted you to be able to dismiss COVID. In fact, my, the, my idea for you, if you're looking for a way to make some money, T-shirt, C minus on it, okay? C minus. That could become the new code in our culture. What you wear if you're going to Walmart and you have a little bit of a cough, but you're COVID-free. You wear C minus, and don't you think that could catch on? Somebody joked about that this morning, so I can't really take credit for it. So, uh, you know, Kansas City uh, favorite Buck O'Neill is being inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame today. Buck's a, a wonderful man. We had uh, opportunity to meet him a few years ago when uh, we went to the, the Negro Leagues Hall of uh, Museum here in town, and he was wonderful to both Joe and Josh, our boys. It was he just a, a wonderful man. But today is his day, sort of in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, he was a great player, great coach, great scout, an ambassador for the city and the game. He was a hero to many, and I understand why. And I just want you to think about this. I mean, there are people like that all over our world right now, people who, who are in places of visibility like that. And I wonder how many of you had a hero like Buck when you were growing up. Maybe not Buck, but maybe somebody. You had somebody like that. Nobody? Come on. Come on. Okay. Yeah, we got a few who are finally, finally admitting this. Here's the thing. Some of these people that I had when I was growing up were professional athletes like this. Len Dawson, Willie Lanier, some of you remember the Chiefs back in the day. I remember respecting these guys and, and just having a, a lot of admiration for them. Others that as a kid, I remember thinking kind of in a, in a, a neat way and just sort of idolizing for a window of time in my childhood were like the, the super friends. Some of you, that dates myself a little bit. But they were the superheroes, the Avengers of today. They were who they were, you know, a few years back. They were cartoon superheroes. I remember celebrity recording artists that I liked back in the day, particularly those who could play guitar and sing really well. I just thought these guys were amazing. And, I, you know, I didn't idolize them for their character, so to speak, but 
I just thought I would love to play guitar like that and I would work at it and, and try to do that. But an interesting thing ha began to happen as I got a little older from those early days. My heroes began to change because who and what I admired began to change. No longer were my heroes people whose faces were on movie screens or television shows. Generally speaking, my heroes were just not celebrities. They weren't sports figures. I mean, it doesn't mean that I didn't notice those people, but they just weren't people that I admired in the same way. Instead, my heroes became more ordinary, everyday kinds of people. And in particular, my heroes became people who, because of life's circumstances, courageously, every day, faced insurmountable odds and obstacles with perseverance and faith and integrity and grace. Those were the people who became my heroes. The unsung ones, the invisible ones, the ones that are just normal, everyday people. In those days, it was when I first learned something about who was worth following and who was not. I mean, that was the change that was beginning to take place inside of me. I learned the lesson about who was worth following and who was not from the Bible. It was recorded in the Old Testament. I want to share it with you today. If you have your Bible, open it to 1 Samuel I'm sorry, 16. 1 Samuel 16. I want to share it with you today. I want you to see this. Uh, in all of its glory, in all of its detail there in the text. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16? While you're turning there, here's the setting in the passage. The king of Israel at that time was a man named Saul. Saul had just been rejected by God as king because of his persistent disobedience. As Kate was talking about earlier today, God's not just sitting on his throne waiting just every moment hoping to catch us, but here's the thing. He notices everything about our lives, and he noticed persistent disobedience. He notices that because he tries to change our hearts, tries to change our ways. And Saul was just stubborn-hearted. He was self-willed. He was going to do things his way, and so God rejected him as the king of Israel, and he privately spoke to the prophet Samuel that he was going to get a new king. And this is how he said it to Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, 1, he says, Go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I've selected one of his sons to be my new king, to be my new king. Now, just pause for a second. Notice the language. Who's new king? My new king. God speaking. I emphasize that because sometimes we don't think about it. We think kings... People reign and rule in certain roles because they're like we voted for them and we do play a role in that. But let me just remind you, God is in control of all things. God is sovereign. People rule because God wills that they rule, sometimes for reasons that we may or may not disagree with. But he says, I, I, want, I have selected one of his sons to be my new king. So Samuel went to this obscure little village. He found a man named Jesse. And the Bible says, verses 6 and following, that when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Eliab was Jesse's son, his oldest son. I just put that in the notes there for you. And thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. 
The Lord doesn't make decisions the way you do. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Looks at the heart. And Jesse told his son Abinadab to go forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. And next, Jesse summoned Shema. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But, this, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord's not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Because Samuel was thinking, God told me, then I'm going to anoint one of the sons. I've chosen one of them. And he's looking at this and he's just saying, God's not chosen anything. Something's wrong. He said, are these all the sons you have? And there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep. I mean, he was so not expected to be the king. that They didn't bother to bring him in from the fields. You get the picture here? He's out there watching the sheep. Well, send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was ruddy and handsome with pleasant eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, I might say, all taller. All more qualified in everybody else's mind. As David stood there among his brothers... Samuel took the olive oil he had brought and poured it on David's head, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day on. If you know your Bible, you know that David went on to become one of Israel's best and most beloved kings. He was an amazing man, empowered by God to do things that foreshadowed the life of Messiah Jesus in ways that no one else has or could Apart from God's involvement in his life, David was an amazing individual. Now, as God was teaching Samuel that day, and me many years later, he was teaching us something important about people, something important about relationships, something important about life. He's teaching us that becoming a person who is worth being followed and respected is not about superficial appearances like height, or strength, or beauty, or skill, or birth order, or a long list of attributes that we could list. Becoming a person who is worth being followed, hear me, is an inside job from God's perspective. It's an inside job. It's all about the heart. It's all about a person's thoughts and intentions and motives and teachability. It's all about cultivating the presence of internal substantive things like integrity and humility and trustworthiness and faithfulness and patience and gentleness and compassion and self-control. Becoming a person who's worth being followed is all about character, all about character development. So here's today's biblical insight for living for all of us. <clears throat> Since God doesn't judge a person based on superficial outward appearances, you and I are wise if we don't either. Did you hear that? It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It has profound implications for how you live your life, how you relate to people, how you value them, 
just life in general, since God doesn't judge a person based on superficial outward appearances, you and I are wise if we don't either. We need to look for character, for godly virtues in others. We need to intentionally cultivate those virtues in our own lives. Because that's what makes somebody being a person worthy of being followed. So, for example, let's tease this out. Let's apply this some. If you're searching for a business partner, what are you looking for? You're looking for, are you looking for somebody who uh, has business acumen, marketing skill? Are you looking for somebody who, you know, is slick and winsome and capable of selling some? Is that what you're looking for? It's not that you're not looking for that, maybe. But where do you start? You look at the heart. You look for character, for godly virtues. Because you can have the slickest marketing salesman in the world, and if you have no character, what happens to you in your business that you've now launched? You're going to lose your shirt, your pants, your reputation. Am I right? Are you hearing me? You start with character. That's what makes someone a person worth following or partnering with. If you're thinking about dating, contemplating marriage, do you want somebody who's attractive? Someone who, you know, you're, you're drawn to and want to be with? Of course you do. But is that the ball game? Answer me. No. No. We all know lots of marriages where they married somebody that they, they look great on a Facebook post, right? But the marriage is a wreck. It's a relational disaster. Why? Because the guy picked someone who is attractive, but she's a pig in a beautiful body. That's graphic, I'm sorry. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> Actually, the more accurate statement probably is we've known some gals who picked a guy who was really handsome, and he was the pig. Right? We do. You start with character. You start with character. Because if character is not there, there's no foundation. Are you hearing me? There's no foundation no foundation. No foundation. In parenting, what is the most important thing that you can inculcate in the hearts and lives of your kids? Is it more important that they become skilled at throwing a baseball, kicking a soccer ball, singing on a stage? On and on I could go. Is it more important for that or that they learn to be young men, young women of character who are filled with faithfulness, trustworthiness, integrity, honesty, love and compassion? You know the answer to that. 
when you're interviewing potential employees, when you're deciding who to vote for, when you're seeking financial advice, when you're investigating churches or church leaders, what do we look for if we're wise? We've got to look for character. Because people who lead us, someone who's worth following is somebody who's got character. Character. And just because someone is outwardly impressive or winsome or attractive or successful doesn't mean they got character. Which has implications both for how we relate to people and how people relate to us, to me, each of us. Can't do a whole lot. All of the folks out there who ought to be pursuing in the world character can't solve that problem. Can't solve the problem on a political level where we wish that people were even more devoted to character than getting reelected. I can't solve the problem in a whole lot of these areas. But here's what I can do something about. I can do something about the presence or lack thereof of character in me, each of us. Because let me just remind you, you got people who are following you. If you're a parent, you have people following you. And they are looking to you and learning things whether you want them to or not. There's more caught than taught, they say. It's the cliche. And that's true in a parenting environment. If you're a teacher, people are following you whether you want them to or not. You, you clearly want them to if you want to keep teaching, right? If you're in business and you lead a team or a business, you have people who follow you. If you're in sales, there are people who follow you. They follow around based on your product. On and on I could go. I mean, everywhere we go, we've got people who are following us, every one of us. Even if, even if you have no kids and you say, I'm a hermit, I live in this place. You know, you got a niece, you got a nephew, you got somebody in your life who's following you, who's looking at you and drawing conclusions about life on the basis of what they see or don't see. We're all leading others. And so we've got to intentionally cultivate character, godly values, a godly heart in ourselves, in ourselves with God, Holy Spirit help. The Bible spells out for us in great detail the kind of character, the kind of traits that he approves of and that he dreams of living in your life and mine. And his Holy Spirit, when he's present in us, will help us become a more substantive, foundational, solid, rock-solid kind of person than we could ever be on our own. And so for the next few moments, I just want you to listen to a couple of passages. Just highlight some of that character, some of the kind of traits that God's looking for. I mean, we could pick a bunch of them, but... I've just picked a couple in Ephesians, and they reflect the presence of godliness or evil in the heart and the character of a person. Just listen to these verses and, and just pray, even as I read them. Just, Lord, help this to grow in me. Help this to grow in me, all right? Ephesians 5 says this to us, describing in detail the kind of character and traits that God wants in us and in his people. Ephesians 5 says, follow God's example in everything you do. That, that phrase has troubled me, you know, for years sometimes because it's just like 
God wants me to, sometimes I say, imitate Christ in all that you do. You're just thinking, not just some things, but everything, everything you do, because you are his dear children, the text says. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like a sweet perfume to him. Then the passage gets real specific. It says in verse 3, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins should have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. A few verses earlier in Ephesians chapter, 20, uh, chapter 4. If you look there, read from verses 25 and follow me. Just listen to a few of these verses. Don't put a, uh, so put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, the passage says. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you do, everything you say, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. These are just a couple of really, in the big picture, brief passages of Scripture. Most of us, we hear that and we just go, oh yeah, but I've got plenty to work on there. We notice our shortcomings. But here's what I want you to think about for just a moment. Are there any godly patterns of behavior in your life that those verses just affirmed? I don't want you to just think about what you've got left to work on because let me just say, when it comes to character development, you and I represent endless opportunity for growth. Okay? We do. The ceiling of potential for growth for us is really high. I mean, we got a long way to go. But here's what I want you to think about for a moment. Were there any godly patterns of behavior in your life that those verses just affirmed because you've been growing? You look back at where you were five years ago, ten years ago maybe 10 days ago, and you're just like, I, you know, I, my anger is not the same 
today as what it was then. It's losing a grip in my life, at least some of the grip that it's had. Maybe you think back and you become less greedy, you become more generous, more kind, more compassionate, more tender-hearted toward people in difficult circumstances and situations. You're, you're more open, less defensive. You hear what people say more than, than you used to hear because you're actually listening. And there was a day where you weren't listening. You were just closed off. Has there been growth? Perhaps you've succeeded at ridding your vocabulary of obscenities. Or at least obscenities when you're not hitting your thumb with a hammer. You know what I'm saying? It's like one moment there, but the rest of the time you kind of clean things up. And you know, If those things or others like them are true of you, you should feel good about that. That is progress. It is growth. God is pleased by that. It's like the perfume from our lives that rises toward his throne smells better than it used to when he used to walk near us and smelled something less desirable, right? I mean, those kinds of changes, when they become patterns, they reflect godly character development and growth. And you should thank God. You should feel good about that. And as the Holy Spirit convicts you, just keep picking new growth opportunities that he brings your way. Because the ball game for those of us who are followers of Jesus is that we've got to continue the process of like, allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse us from the inside out. It's just an ongoing job. It's a water purification process. God's dream is that we'll become pure enough that His living water will flow through us and it won't be toxic as others drink it. It's His dream. And He's achieving that dream through you and me when we humble ourselves and allow His Spirit to work. But if, on the other hand, character growth in some of the areas that we've read about here in Ephesians and other passages like it we could have read, if, if character growth in those areas is, just isn't a priority in your life, it's something that I'm going to get around to that someday. Right now, i got other things that I'm paying attention to. That's not a good thing. It's just not. James tells us it's a sin to know the thing that we ought to do and then not do it. That's, that itself is sin. In addition to whatever else I'm doing that's classified as sin. It's just like I'm, I'm compounding it by knowing what I ought to do and then not doing it. Um, and we need to take seriously the fact that the eyes of friends and people we work with and for, and the eyes of our kids, and in some instances, grandkids and nieces and nephews, and people around us, our eyes are on us. And we're setting examples whether we like it or not. People are watching, and it's important that we remember 
what Saul and David learned through Samuel 16, and that is not only the eyes of people on us, but the eyes of God are on us. And it is God's intent that we take Him seriously. It really is. He has a reputation. And he wants you, he's giving you, giving me opportunity day after day to humble ourselves and to seek him for substantive character growth. And his hope is that, that we'll soften our hearts and take him seriously. Because he and people around us are watching. They're just observing how we treat strangers, how we treat friends and family, what we value, who we spend time with. People in God notice how we handle our money, what kind of language we use, how important integrity is to us, how we entertain ourselves, on and on. Nothing that escapes the notice of those around us. So we've got to ask ourselves, am I becoming a person for my sake and those around me who's worthy of being followed? Can I just say, if Christians across America were taking this seriously, if everybody who claims to be a Christian in America was taking this seriously, you think our world would be a different place right now, our country? Every politician, every business leader, every counselor, every pastor claims to be a man or woman of character. If they took this seriously, our world would be a very different place right now. Part of the problem is, is that in truth, many have settled. They've just settled. They settle for an outward appearance of godliness and virtue that's not genuine. Friends, the appeal of God is Please, for your sake and others, don't let that be you. Take him seriously now while you can. Turn your heart toward him. The transformation of your body, soul, and spirit is an inside job that if you seek him by his Holy Spirit, it will change your exterior, change your relationships, your mouth, It'll change your finances. It'll change everything about you. Some of us don't want to go there because we're afraid of those changes. But the fact is, everything's changing anyway. And all the stuff in our world you can't take take with you. It's time to turn your heart toward God and pursue godliness. Now, now. with a whole heart and with a devotion that has maybe not been characteristic of your past.
Some of you say, I've been doing that. I've been trying that, but I'm really, really tired. I... Don't give in to weariness. Don't give in to temptation. Don't give in to the evil one. Every one of you in the sound of my voice, you were made for more. Jesus redeemed you for greater things. You are destined to be a citizen of heaven. You are destined to receive a glorious new body like the one that Jesus now has. You are destined to live forever. You need character of a level and quantity and quality that right now you may not understand. But if you devote yourself to that now, the day will come when you will look back and say, thank you, Father. I wish I'd have done even more. I wish I'd have pursued more. But he will wipe every tear from your eye and you'll be grateful for the shed blood of Jesus that made it possible for you to be in the presence of God and to have what you have then. So my appeal to you, friends, is this. Let's pay careful attention to the development and character of godliness in our lives. Let's stay true to Christ because ultimately he's the only one worth pattering our lives after, and that we need to do. We need to become imitators of Christ, like that Ephesians 5 passage says, in everything in everything. Just a few moments, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together, and we just see in that Jesus, who was sinless and good, he took upon himself on the cross our sins, our shortcomings, our sufferings, all that is wrong in the world and all that is wrong in us and in me. He took upon himself on that cross. As you share in the, the bread, as you eat the bread, remember that that's representative of the body of Christ nailed to the cross. And the juice is representative of the blood of Jesus that was shed, which cleanses and atones for all unrighteousness. Allowed his righteousness to become our righteousness. We inherit it through faith in him, what he did for us through humbly calling out to him for cleansing, forgiveness, to apply the shed blood to our sins, to our lives. And maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to do that, just to look heavenward and just say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I am in desperate need of cleansing from you. I don't understand it all. And let me just say, you'll never understand it all. And that just ought to be logical to us. If God is bigger and smarter, wiser, more powerful than you and me, you think you're really going to understand it all? Who do you think you are? You're never going to get it all. As we share in the Lord's Supper, it's an opportunity to just acknowledge Him for who He is, the best we can grasp Him through what Scripture teaches and how He's revealed Himself to us humble ourselves before him. Ask for cleansing, filling, empowerment to more fully imitate him with our lives. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper in just a moment. Let's 
bow our heads maybe uh, as we do so if you need to invite Jesus into your life it's a perfect opportunity to do it and we'll share in the Lord's Supper together thank you Lord Jesus that you have loved us and in your mercy you made it possible to save us of all the things you could have done we would have never imagined you stepping down from the throne allowing yourself to be nailed to a cross taking our punishment for sin upon yourself we deserve such a thing and really didn't want it and don't want it but you chose it you chose that suffering we thank you we honor you we're grateful now and forever would you fill us with your Holy Spirit would you cleanse us with your shed blood would you help us to walk in your ways and be men and women old and young people worth being followed because we're following you cleansed by you helping others become cleansed by you. Help us to that end, Lord. Meet us now as we share in these elements, as we remember. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray.
Well, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with us before we close in prayer. I just want to say if you need prayer for something in your life, uh, I don't know whether finances or health or anything else, whatever, whatever's going on, uh, come on down afterwards. We have people down there to be happy to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. If you've never been baptized as a, a demonstration of your faith in Jesus, as the scriptures teach, as Jesus challenged people to be baptized, uh, you can hang around afterwards today and you can see one. I don't know if you've ever seen one or not. You've ever seen somebody immersed. It's our baptistry right over here underneath the cross. And we'll take the top off of it and, and uh, wheel some steps up there. I'm able to uh, baptize folks right there. If you've never never seen a baptism, never witnessed one, I encourage you to hang around. If you've never been baptized as an expression of your faith, I encourage you to, to do that because that's a biblical thing. And Every believer that you read about in the New Testament is just like that was, that was what they did. Gave, give your life to Jesus, and part of that is demonstrating it in the waters of baptism, where you die to yourself as you go under the water, resurrected with Christ as you come up out of the water. It's a picture of all those things. You're identifying yourself with Him as His. So uh, we're going to have baptism here in just a little bit, so we're excited about that. I just invite you to stay around if you've never seen that, okay? Glad you made it with us this morning. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray before everybody heads out, all right? Lord Jesus, we thank you. You're merciful, and thank you for everyone within the sound of my voice. Thank you for the, the hope, the promise, the future, the destiny that you have in store for everyone. We're so grateful, so grateful that when you look back, your suffering was worth it because of the joy set before you and before ahead all of us. What's ahead of us? We're so grateful. And now as we leave this place, would you go with us? Would you walk with us? Would you strengthen us? Would you fill us with hope? Would you help us to be men and women of integrity and character and godliness? And when we fall, which we're going to do every one of us on a daily basis, I just ask God that you'd help us to just quick to repent and, and quick to get right back up on the horse and head in the direction that you want us to go. Just, just help us to do that. Now go with us as we leave this place, empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.